When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know what those white people in this country feel, but I can only include what they feel from the state of their institution. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. Welcome back to another episode of Black History for White People, a podcast where we educate, resource, and challenge white people about black history. I'm Brad, and on today's show are my co-hosts Katina and Garen. Today's topic is policing and protests. You're listening to part two of our episode, so if you're brand new and just tuning in, make sure to go back and listen to part one first. We'll begin this episode with the story of Darius Tarver, a Denton College student who was tragically killed by Denton PD. We then meet up with Anthony Gott, journalist and Denton protest organizer, and Kevin Tarver, Darius Tarver's father and founder of the DJT Justice Network, to discuss what's happening behind the scenes in regards to the protests. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Darius Tarver was a 23-year-old UNT student. He was on the dean's list and majoring in criminal justice, and he was killed in January. He had a, a car accident, a collision, where he injured his head a week before his encounter with the police. And the day of, he was acting strange, and his roommates called the police and said that Darius wasn't violent or threatening, but that his behavior was increasingly bizarre. When the police arrived at the apartment complex, they could hear Darius talking quietly about God and light, and he was breaking outdoor lights with a pan. He was also holding a cooking knife, at least initially, and when he encountered the police, he called out, I'm not afraid, there's only one God, and he will be my shield. The police convinced Darius to come downstairs after a little while, They yelled commands at him, and after he didn't comply, one of the officers shot him with a taser. Uh, Another officer fired at Tarver and shot him with his gun, and Tarver fell. While Tarver was down, one of the officers kicked the knife away so that Tarver was unarmed, but he still had the frying pan, and uh, he got back up and started moving toward the officer. And then one of the officers shot him again with a taser, and another officer, the one who shot him previously with a gun, fired two more shots and killed him. And the thing that gets me about this story is considering it from Tarver's perspective. Here's this bright college student. He's on the dean's list at UNT. His dad is a chaplain for the McKinney police. He's well-loved and respected by his friends, his roommates, his community. He's headed into a career in criminal justice. And then he has this car accident where he has a a head injury a week before this incident. And then this night, his brain is clearly not healed from the accident. 
And it's just so sad to think of Tarver that night, clearly confused, not himself, talking about God and light and saying that he's not afraid. And it just strikes me that he needed compassion. He needed someone to tell him, Darius, it's going to be okay. You're confused right now, but we're going to keep you safe until you get better. I wonder what he understood and felt and feared in those final moments. And it just feels like we failed him. And it's tragic. Okay, so we are here on the Denton Square interviewing um, Anthony Gott. He is a senior um, in journalism at UNT. A new resident of Denton has been here um, since attending UNT and moved here last year. Anthony has been such an integral part of the Denton protest. Um, his cultural identity, like his, his ethnic background, he's um, Mexican and African-American, and he has been um, fully invested in the Denton protest. He's a Denton pro- protest organizer. He's been a great voice and a great leader, but he's been really invested in the story of Darius Tarver, who uh, was a UNT student who was uh, killed by the Denton PD. Um, Anthony has covered his story, written about his story, researched Darius' story, watched the video several times, and just really um, devoted himself uh, to justice for Darius and, and keeping his name alive as we navigate protesting in Denton. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Katina. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. That <laughs> that huge that that big intro, um, but yeah, um, talking about DJ um, Darius Tarver has been something I didn't expect to to take over as much of my uh, my time and resources. But I'm I'm very thankful that if if anybody was going to do it, I'm glad it was me at, uh, over at UNT because I remember at first it was kind of just something that was tragic. It was just like oh no, like this like what a tragic situation because you just read the press release you just see you know kid with a knife shot by police yeah having some sort of mental breakdown you're like oh dang that's like you know you, you see it is like okay that makes sense it was justified that police were like attacked right and then you hear what kevin tarver has to say at a press conference and then you see what happens on the body camera footage and then at some point you know right something's got to give exactly well and um, I met you um, and just having my own passions, you know, at the, for the Denton protest and being like we kind of met um, as organizers and we've, you know, just kind of had the same heart, um, like minded. Uh, we've been a part of the um, organizers meeting meetings. You and I have worked together, kind of bring help to, to be uh, to help bring the organizers together Um and so when I think of the protest, the Denton protest, I just think about you um, and hearing you the first time talk about Darius and me not really. I mean, I was like, I, I saw I, I saw the story and my heart was broken. Um, but I had assumed and I, you know, I, I, I'd ask questions um, um, to Chief Dixon and I assumed that it was something that had to happen and that there were no other options. Um, But my heart was just broken for him. And 
I got to meet his dad, who is going to be coming and joining us um, to talk about his son, um, Reverend uh, Kevin Tarver. And But I first heard from a protest perspective, like from people who were opposing what happened to Darius, my first time really hearing, hearing someone just really advocate and oppose was you. Um, and I was so grateful. I remember thinking like there was something that just didn't sit right in my heart about the story. Um, but, I, and I realized that sometimes these situations and these decisions have to be made, but I'm so grateful that you um, have done the research to kind of challenge um, what happened. And, and that's the thing too, I was in the same spot. Yeah. I, 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 while I was covering the story initially, and even when I talked to Kevin Tarver and he first brought up the, the body camera footage, I was still kind of like on the fence. I was like, like, I want, I believe him. I do. Yeah. But I, I, there has to, I, like I saw the police report. It has to be, they must have done everything they could. Yeah. And then while at the press conference, whenever uh, Chief Dixon was stopping and starting and stopping and starting, I was sitting there and I was like. So you were at the press I was, conference. I was, I was at the press conference. I was there covering it for the news. Uh-huh. And, I, and then when I was there, I was leaving that and I was like. They did everything they could. They 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 took time. They gave distance. They sat there. They they were trying to be compliant with them, but he he, he was he was he attacked them. Yeah. But then I go back to the station. I've already done the report. I did the whole six o'clock news. I get done. It's eight thirty. I asked for the flash drive just so I can look at the police camera footage. I don't leave there till nine thirty because I'm sitting there and I'm bringing people in. I'm like, guys, this oh. took less than five minutes. Wow. From the time that they see Darius Tarver walking down the steps, when they see him visually, not just hear him, wow. calling down, five minutes is all it took. But if you're at that press conference, you think it took an hour. They were there talking with him for an hour, yeah. trying to talk him down, all this stuff. But I think whenever Kevin comes in, um, you guys will get an even bigger perspective. Yeah. He, knows, he knows about all the, the true rules of like giving distance, not repeating a bunch of commands, everything that was supposed to go, everything that they could have done wrong, they did. Yeah everything that they could have done wrong. And it just didn't sit right with me, the fact that it was so blown over simply because of the coverage that came out. Because of that press conference, so many people, especially in Denton, had, yeah. had been, had, were in the same spot. Yeah. Like, you know, like they did what they could. Yeah. And it's in, it's unfortunate, it's just another tragedy, but they really did all that they could. But that, that wasn't it. I couldn't, I couldn't sit there and be like, that, that, that's, that can't be where the story ends. Especially after talking to Kevin, I was one of the first ones to interview him um, when he first came public. Yeah. It all came about through Deb uh, Armenter, uh, councilwoman. Yeah. And after talking with him there and be, talking with them since, and we've been uh, having, uh, even in touch every now and then. I'm getting, I'm hoping him get together some stuff for his, uh, his son's music video right now, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's impossible for me to sit there and look at him and know that the pain that he's gone through and, and know also, like, the, the attacks that have come onto him due to the, due to the, yeah all the press that has come out yeah there had there needed to be someone who was stepping forward who could get it who could amplify it to more people and that's what i feel like i feel like i'm just a big amplifier for the other people that are already doing great work there's already people here doing great work there are um i love that and the thing about it is that you know we talk a lot we talk a lot about at the at the protest i always say you know that black people get to be imperfect we don't have to be perfect we don't have to have a spotless reputation mm-hmm. to have our lives to matter and to be bestowed dignity um, and equal treatment. Um, but so often, um, African Americans, black and brown people, 
we get the doubt instead of the benefit and there's an overcriminalization of us based on like our our bodies like the skin that we sit in and it's a threat right and so many times like in the stories of like George Floyd people in 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 you know people it's, it's like they they put the victims and the dead on trial they put them on trial and they crucify their characters instead of focusing on the person who committed the, the you know the act and so in in the case of George Floyd there's so many attacks on his character and who he was and he didn't have to be a perfect human being to not have been killed um in especially in the way that he was killed and he was unarmed but in the story of Darius Tarver he was the black model citizen and still killed mm-hmm. he was he he was in law enforcement in some kind of way wasn't he yeah he was a criminal justice major and he planned to go into criminal justice and he had plans of reform he wanted to be a leader and change and and he but, was a part of an organization um there was a police um um organization or law enforcement organization that he was a part of as well and he was kind of following the footsteps of his dad right yeah i believe so uh i don't remember the name of the organization either yeah. um but i do know that he was in uh he was a major in criminal justice and what most people well, i don't know what most i don't know how common knowledge this is but like he had a car accident that was very severe the yeah. week prior to him getting shot and that, i feel like that always gets forgotten but brain injuries cause like our, our, our world shattering. Like yeah. you see it all the time. Cause I'm, I'm an MMA fighter. I see so many fighters and boxers and even football players yeah. that have so much CTE, their whole personality shift and change. They're whole different people. Yeah. Cause it's so traumatic. It, our brains shape up who we are. And he was in a state of distress after this big car accident. It was like the perfect storm for this kid to get to well, get Well, and the healthcare system definitely failed him first. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times uh, um, with with healthcare, and I've I've worked in healthcare myself for 21 years. So many times, there's a battle between, you know, politics, insurance, and physicians. And a lot of times, physicians and healthcare systems they're jaded um, because and 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 they're trying to even though the, like the good the good physicians, the good caretakers, you know, they're coming against a system that will only allow a patient to stay in the hospital for a certain set of days. You know, they classify, it's like people will sit in a room and they classify injury, they classify diagnosis and how much time they think is, you know, that that diagnosis should get. So insurance stops paying and that type of thing. And so doctors now, many doctors will make decisions based on those restrictions instead of caring for the patient. And so in my opinion, the healthcare system failed him first because there's no way that the injury that he had, that he should have been released that soon and not had and and, and not had like consistent follow-up care. And, and, Absolutely. And, you know, his roommates say that I, I I tell me about the 911 call. Have you heard the 911 call? Yeah. So at the press conference, at the press release, they played the the 911 call. Um, and the thing is too, um, what you don't get. Um, is in one of the body camera angles, um, it's the, the woman officer who goes to the car. She's actually on the phone again with the roommate 
who is way more calmed down and he's actually starting to, to like be like yeah like dj doesn't start, does, has never really acted like this before right. and then all of a sudden you hear pop pop oh. by the time they get to the by the time you get to the the roommates were scared and like and i i feel i haven't been able to get in touch with them i don't think very many people have right. since because i don't like I, i'm sure there's so much guilt because they didn't want their roommate to get to die they just they were they were scared and and by the time that they were calm enough to really explain the situation he wasn't even given a chance i think that's what it's all about there's not we're not even given a chance because we're seen so so much as a threat before we ever ever even considered someone in danger or someone in need of help how many times do you hear about somebody calling for a distress call similar to this or hey uh, even people that call the cops on themselves of like hey like I don't feel safe in my own home right now. I think something's going on outside, and right. they, they get the—they're the ones that get thrown on cuffs. Like exactly. there's there's so much of a threat with a weapon, without a weapon. We've seen people. We've seen white men who are 6'4", 250, jacked. Yeah. With guns, with knives, they get apprehended. We see school shooters kill 20, 30 people, all white, and they all seem to walk away fine. They we even see- get Burger King on the way to they, jail. Exactly. You know? And we see um, these guys that come on the square with assault weapons during our protests or just on any given Sunday and they're walking or they're accosting Willie Hudspeth and they have assault weapons and the cops are there just standing on the corner and nothing happens. Like everybody gets to live to see another day. And that's the part that is so freaking mind boggling for me. It's like, how do you decide? There has to be, it's, it's basically, it speaks of the system. There has to be a reason why White people who commit, like I've seen where white people spit on police, cuss them out. I'm going to have your job. Do you know who my dad is? Kicking. I know my my husband um, taught at a middle school in in, in Denton. And uh, one of the kids reached for the officer's gun. And he lived. And, and, And I don't understand how someone like Darius Tarver could die. And it's almost like you have to give yourself permission to feel something outside of the box because we've been so conditioned to think if you just follow the rules, if you just do this thing, if you just do that thing, then you won't be harmed. But when we see people like Philando Castile, who is cooperating with the officer and is saying, yeah, officer, you know, thinking that he's safe and in the next minute he's dead and he gets killed in front of a baby, a baby and her, his, her mother, I mean, there's something definitely wrong with the system. There's something definitely wrong. Um, and the thing that really struck me, because I finally watched the video, and I watched, I normally don't watch these videos because I feel like there's a normalization of assault on black and brown bodies. Oh, yeah. Oh, my there's God. There's this normalization. And so I finally watched the video because Mr. Tarver posted the video himself. And so I felt like they gave me permission to watch it. And so I watched it. And the thing that really struck me, and I heard Mr. Tarver say this, in his last moments, Darius was crying out and calling out for his heavenly father. He continued to say, heavenly father. And his dad says that he came to Christ, which with his father being a minister, a pastor, and a chaplain, to the McKinney PD um, himself, um, that was significant for the family. Like he, 
gave his life to the Lord just like maybe a couple of weeks, I think, before it he was, was like, killed. Okay, it was like, yeah, just it was super, super recent. And so to see, I like I heard that, but then when I saw him just calling out for his heavenly father and then they killed him, it just. And he had his hands down. Like yes. he hadn't moved. He hadn't made a step forward. And like even in the press conference, he goes, "Look, it looked like he had PCP. His eyes were darting back and forth. He was acting like somebody on drugs. He was, he was calling out to God. He never made a step. He never took a step forward. His hands were at his side. There was time. They could have taken him home. He didn't have to go away. When he was down, he was down for a certain period of time. Without with, anything. Without anything happening. After they tased him the first time." He was down, and there, in my opinion, there was time to contain him, and that didn't happen. And that's where I think where we go back to the to the use of force and, and policing, especially here in Denton. We they just went forward with the ad hoc committee that, that you are a part of. Yes. Um, uh, reviewing use of force, and it almost feels like because Chief Dixon's on there and what the mayor's already said back in January when this happened, saying that that was an okay use of force, that that was a justified use of force. Yeah. It, it gets it gets really scary now when we're having these conversations because I, I, I watched back the, the last meeting and yes. people calling in are just being like, don't defund the police. People don't even know what we're even right. talking about at this point. Right. And it, it almost feels like it worked exactly to how Mayor Watts wanted it. Like, give yeah. them something and then it'll go away. Because I've 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 been waiting and listening. I why, where where, when are we gonna really get down to the nitty gritty? And it looks like it looks like hopefully um, in these next couple. I know you're skipping next week, right? Isn't that what it said in the last meeting? I think we're gonna end up meeting this week. Oh, and and listen, okay. you you say how you be free to say how you feel because I'm gonna say how I feel. Okay. <laughs> be completely hey, let's, free. Let's do this. Let's take a shift because I think we'll we'll dive into the story when Kevin gets here. Because mm-hmm. okay, I'm really I think we're. You know, both really interested in hearing more. But let's talk about what you kind of just you just explained. Like, a lot of people are just, they hear defund the police, and they think, I mean, quite honestly, a lot of white people think they want to get rid of the police. Like, let's just not have any police at all. Yeah. So, right. you know, I don't, we don't have to get too much into that specifically, but I want to hear, like, this ad hoc committee, the stuff that you guys are seeing, what's going on behind the scenes, behind the fog of media and headlines and all these huge like yeah just behind big headlines what's going on behind the scenes specifically and what are some like specific things that you guys are asking for that it that seems to be maybe getting done or maybe is getting yeah. pushback that's that honestly to most people would seem like why is that not happening i think yeah. that would be help, really helpful and a lot of thing like because first things first like when you hear defund the police like defund is not a scary word. I think that's the first thing that we got to tell people and show people is that defunding just means, hey, we're going to pull a little bit from your budget this year. Like we'll make we'll work around it, stuff like that. Usually, like when you go to when you go to a school, education will get defunded and schools will just have to work with less. Got to have the same, got to have work around and try to get the same resources and all the same things for those kids just with less. And we're funds talk- are reallocated. Surplus funds is what, it's not a deficit. It's like where surplus funds are reallocated to help the police to serve exactly. the public by bringing on people um, and specialists um, that can really, that can that can kind of um, assist the police officers in their, like, so mental health. And there are mental health police officers, which is something I learned, you know, from the ad, ad hoc committee. There's a gentleman who's on the committee who um, 
I can't remember his name, but he is really awesome in kind of explaining um, the different specialties within um, the police. Um, and there's domestic violence. There's um, child abuse. There's um, cultural I issues that are, you know, sensitive and people have implicit biases and helping people to understand. There's translation barriers. There's oh, cultural, yeah. like the way people, um, there's nuance in pe how people, everybody doesn't act the same. We're not a homogenous society. Different people talk and act and, 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 and do things differently that are within those cultures that are within like a societal norm. Um, and so, go ahead, I'm gonna let you. And yeah, and it's all about community support. Like, they are, they have those, those systems, but clearly, like, what they have isn't working. So this is really all about community support. How can we pull some of the funds that maybe aren't being used where they, we're trying to take the funds and put them where they could be best used. Yeah. So if it's, if it's mental health, let's take them to the people that have been only focusing on mental health for the past 30, 50, you know, 60 years. Let's only take, let's take this money and put it to the places that are already doing some of these community services, like working with domestic violence mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, family issues, working with rape victims and sexual assault victims, working with those people. Because, I mean, here in Denton, like, I'm also working on this story uh, um, kind of independently. UNT, for the past five years, since 2015, hasn't had a single, um, what's it, uh, a sexual assault charge be reversed so they've had countless that are just no no signs of sexual assault no signs of sexual assault for the past five years out of over 200 campus sexual assaults not a single one has been overturned like when you look when you think of things like that when it's that prominent still here in this college town mm -hmm. there needs to be a whole group of people because i know there's there's far more cases that haven't been reported yeah. simply just because of the police i have a friend who personally who has gotten assaulted and i will not say her name but she refused to come forward simply because she didn't want to have to go to the police because she knows nothing. She she didn't feel confident in what the current system has to help prove her right because it, it's almost work it's almost working against her because she didn't have she didn't do like the immediate steps or whatever because she was traumatized. So it, it's whenever you take uh, whenever whenever you don't feel confident in the current systems that we have, we have to make new ones or invest in other opportunities. And that's all what uh, defunding the police is. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Good to see you, brother. And thank you so much for coming. Um, you have just been such a tremendous in inspiration to me um, and giving me, like, a local... Like, there's another story, Lamont Stowers-Jones, and there's Darius Tarver. And it takes this national conversation about race and discrimination, and it, it brings it home. Like, because so many small towns will say... Oh, that we're not, and I've heard I heard that in the ad hoc committee uh, meetings. You know, we're not New York. We're not these big cities. We're, but we're Denton, and there are several stories of discrimination. There are several stories of where police officers um, could do better towards Black and Brown people. Um, but I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you, and we are so grateful for you being here in your gear, with your mask, with your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> representing for your son and fighting for justice. I'm uh, representing him every day. Yes, you are. And uh, that's something I have to do. Uh, not that I chose to do. Yeah. But even on yesterday, that was the anniversary of his death. Yes. You know, and 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 like people say, you know, I I was actually on a call or Zoom with a lot of the parents of those that's been killed across the country mm. yesterday, and. Uh, 
everybody was just dealing. And then one of them, which is local also, which is not black, which is Troy Brooks. Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, he's the fire chief in, in Fort Worth and his daughter was murdered. But because of qualified immunity, I mean, there's nothing to be done. So, yeah, the people who don't know what's qualified immunity, because they need to hear this. Well, one of the things, qualified immunity, the big part of that is if there's no way to show that they intended to do it. So if you get up out of your bed and say, I'm not going to go kill this person today, mm -hmm. and then I go put on my badge and I shoot somebody, well, criminal or civil, I don't have any responsibility. So I'm protected because of this. And, and, and when you take that back and you look back, if you look at all the old pictures through the time when segregation was really strong mm -hmm. and you see that even the sheriffs and the Texas Rangers were sitting here watching hang and, and black people and watching all these crimes being committed. Mm -hmm. Well, that means that I can commit them without having any responsibility. So basically that same thing is happening today. Maybe you're taking off the sheets, but you put on a uniform. Mm. You know, maybe it's not as transparent, but it's still happening. So the thing is, with uh, what's going on today, it's 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 sad. And people say, well, why don't you people just get over it? You know, it's not the same. We didn't do that, and we didn't do this. But as you see, continuously, we have young people. If you look and you look at the deal ranging from 18 to 37, we are losing people every day. It's still being perpetuated. Yeah, yeah. And, and the problem is there's no responsibility, there's no accountability, yeah. and that's what the problem is. That's why it has to be changed. That's why reform, you know, has to happen. So my question is, because I feel like it's really, because so many times when these things happen and people see them in the media, they will just see it in the media and say, well, if they were wearing this or if they were doing this or if they were doing that, I, they don't get to see these human stories. They don't get to see that these people are people and that they're human. Mm -hmm. They will judge a mother's tears and a father's tears. They will judge parents' motives for how they weep, went for them weeping. I saw that with Trayvon Martin. Like, she is a college-educated Delta Sigma Theta, you know, one of the African-American sororities. She worked in the prison system. She just ran for office and lost by 300 and something votes. She was a human being. Um, and there are human stories. So who were you before this happened? Who, were, who, who, who are you, Pastor Kevin Tarver? Who is Darius? Tell us who y'all are. First of all, you know, I was the baby of uh, seven kids. Mm. I come from a very uh, religious, a Christian background. My father was a pastor, still pastor to this day. Wow. Uh, and he's about to be 88 years old wow. this year. Uh, and my sister was an evangelist, prophetic. My mom was very anointed lady. You know, my family has always been brought up. We were brought up and raised in, in McKinney, which was a, pretty much a racist town at that point. Yep. And, you know, and my whole thing was, you know, even when I went to school and got away, 
I went to school for criminal justice, just like Darius. So Darius was doing what I was doing. Where, what school did you go to? Uh, I went to Tyler Junior College, which that was the first school he went to as well. Wow. And then I went to Sam Houston State, which is known for criminal justice. So he was and literally following in your footsteps. Pretty much. And the and example that you set forth and wanting to work for law enforcement. Yep, he wanted to make a change in law enforcement. He didn't want to just stay a policeman, but he wanted to be in a position to where he could make a difference and help change what he saw going on. Mm. This was a kid that, you know, growing up, they tried to put him in, in resources, but they found out when we moved him to schools and better schools, took him to Frisco, then they found out that, hey, this kid shouldn't be in resources. His problem is he should be in gifted and talented. Exactly. Because he was too smart. He was just bored. So even when he went to school, he's never been a kid that we had to make do his homework, make yeah. do anything. He, he handled his business. Same thing he was doing in college. He was handling his business. He's working two jobs, going to school full time. He was a person that anybody could come talk to, you know, and not, you know, be biased, you know, unbiased against anybody. But at the same time, he was, he was brought up in a family, well respected, still respected to this day. Yeah. He was respected, yeah. you know. Yes, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, I'm a chaplain. I'm also part of the um, City of McKinney Chief of Police Advisory Council, which we do review and do the things. Yeah. I'm also certified for Texas Advisory Board for TCO. Uh, which <laughs> so, is, what is TCO? <laughs> Tell them. What Texas TCO? Commission on Law Enforcement. Yes. So, yes. so when, when I came in and I seen all this stuff, I know this stuff. So that's why I have a problem with Chief Dixon. That's why I have a problem with what the officers did. Uh, you know, and I, I, I have a problem when media first put it out there, they could only put out what they had put into their face because media shared what Chief yeah, press release. Yeah, yeah. had put out there. And it was all fabricated. It was all lies. But that's the first thing that sticks to people's eyes and mind is what they hear from the beginning. And they so, sent it out like two or three times. They did. So tell them, because I remember we were standing in front of the police uh, station with our initial protest. And this is, this is where I met you. And Chief Dixon was there. You were there. And you, like, just the respect that I have for you and how you... I would say conducted yourself for lack of a better word because you don't owe anybody proper conduct at all. But the way that you yielded to allow Chief Dixon to speak um, and how like your son is dead and you you just still observing this protocol and being this man of God. And every time that you get on the microphone, you are preaching the gospel and declaring the word of truth. Like people are calling us communists. They're calling us you know, uh, Marxists, they're calling us all these things. And we're bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to every protest and we're crying out for justice in the name of Jesus. You took that microphone and you said something that really struck me. You said, I asked them to be honest with me because I understand that things could happen. And I told them that if they would just tell me the truth, then I could, we could, we could figure this out. Those were almost your exact words. You want to talk about that? Yeah, and and the problem was, to this day, I'm going to be honest, to this day, if it had not been for family members that, that lived here, DJ's first cousin, yeah, we wouldn't even knew DJ was dead. Oh. The police never contacted us. The hospital never contacted us. 
He was killed at three o'clock in the morning. I was notified maybe around 11 o'clock and that was cause a family member called me crying. And then when I get here, my son's body is already in Fort Worth. Cause they didn't know who he was, but they called his name to come down the stairs. You know, so when I get there, you know, they kind of shun off, you know, the Texas Rangers there and he's, you know, kind of moving around, but then I pull out my ID and show him who I am. So let me pause you real quick. So right now, as we're on the square, there's a Blue Lives <laughs> rally going on. Police Lives Matter. There are many people here on the square, and I had no idea when we first scheduled this that this was happening, but I still declare it. I declare this in the name of Jesus. Like, this ground that we stand on, even though the, st the statue is gone, the spirit, the demonic spirit of um, white supremacy and racism and still exists. And that is the same spirit that drives a lot of people's police lives matter and blue lives matter. I have a very healthy respect and so do you as a man of God who works within law enforcement, whose son desired to work in law enforcement. We have a healthy respect for police officers. We have a healthy respect but these people driving around the square, they're, they're acting this way because that monument went down. Make no mistake, their heart is, is driven, not because they care about police, because if they cared about police, they would care about police's, police officers and their mental health. Hmm. They would care about the funding that is necessary for police to do their job fully. Mm -hmm. um, they're using police officers for optics. They do not care. My husband worked in law enforcement, for, he's worked in law enforcement for 16 plus years. He went to Arkansas State University for criminology. He desired the same thing that Darius did. And so as these horns were beeping, I wanted to just say that because I want you to be able to speak without this foolishness going on because it is not driven by a love and a care for police officers. It is driven by white supremacy and racism and a desire to snuff out Black Lives Matter. Yep. Like, if they really cared, like, there's so many officers that have been fired, been transferred for trying to speak up about injustices, but yes. you never hear a damn Nobody thing about cares. It. Yep. As we deal with a corrupt Denton County Sheriff's Department yes, that has done horrible things. Hmm. Trav Tracy Murphy has done deplorable things. No one is speaking up for the officers that are impacted by his decision making. <laughs> so people do not care about blue lives. They do not care about police officers. And I just think that it is on the Lord's name. Like we stand on this ground and we're declaring every time we come together on this square, we're wherever declaring we stand, every time, ground. every time. God said, wherever we plant our feet, that's holy ground. That's where he stands. And the thing is with that, if, if, if saying black lives matter bothers you and all lives matter doesn't, or blue lives matter doesn't, then it's just the word black that bothers you. Exactly. Because that's, that's, that's a problem. Because when they, they see you standing up, and, and that's what I've done, and I said I will continue to do it, not only for my son, because it's bigger than DJ, it's bigger than me. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is when we first came to the crime scene, the Texas Ranger told me one story. They called the chief back. Yeah. And at the same time, he told me a totally different story. 
these two law enforcement officials, same crime scene, but two different stories. So I had a problem with that even from the beginning. And that's why I had stated, if you be transparent, yeah. because I can understand my son had an accident the week before. Yes. He could have acted out of character. Yeah. But being a part of law enforcement, I give them the benefit of the doubt, but being the father of my son, you know him. I know who he was. Yeah. And this is something that he would never do because he had the utmost respect. He was already being recruited by law enforcement. Yeah. You know, he was already ready to graduate. I mean, he had things lined up. So when I talked to the chief, he looks me dead in the eyes and I'm giving the officer sympathy because he's telling me that my son has stabbed an officer. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if the officer is okay when my son is dead. Wow. And then he tells me this fabricated story that he tells the media. But then he lies and tells me that he has not seen the film. But then he comes at later and tells me that he's just questioned the officers and not watched the film. But then why is it that he could have a different story when the Texas Ranger is questioning him and he has a different story? Mm -hmm. So that's why there was no transparency from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And if anybody watches any of the, the, the pre-media before I finally got the, the tape released, mm -hmm. he even admits that the suspect or the subject may have been dealing with a mental crisis. Mm -hmm. And then he says that all the officers are trained to deal with mental crisis. Mm -hmm. But he said that my son came down the stairs. Mm -hmm. He actually advanced on the officers. Mm -hmm. They tased him. Mm -hmm. He went down. They tased him again. Mm -hmm. Then he got up. And then that's when the officer had to shoot three rounds, striking him once. Mm -hmm. This is what the media gets. Mm -hmm. That's the lie that the media gets. Mm -hmm. And all the time, he knows that it's not what happened. So I, that's why I have no respect for Chief mm -hmm. Dixon, because he lied to me to my face, he lied mm -hmm. to the media, he lied to the public, and he still tried to lie even after he was forced to release the video. And when I was at that press conference and he was explaining it, like, what, what really bugged me out and really made, whenever I went back and I was done that day and it made me go back and watch it, is because he, he said that he looked like he was on PCP. You can't just be saying stuff like that no. in the middle of a news, because like now all people, people hear is, Kid shot PC. He was on drugs. Yeah. Duh. He was on drugs. Yeah. yeah. But they don't. They don't question to think what they, at all because yeah. he'd already said it and set that precedent. And I, I had people coming up to me after those first round of protests, like, "Why are you protesting for a kid who was on drugs and try to stab police officers?" Right. Yeah. Then I have to sit there for 30 minutes and basically have a whole conversation like this. And there's only so many people you can get to. That's what I'm that. saying. If you go back and watch any of those videos, that was never mm -mm. any precedent. But then he lied and took two two 911 calls that he wanted to narrow away. And then he also took an extra frying pan. If you look at the videos, you'll see that's not the frying pan that DJ had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He took this bent frying pan to try to show that, hey, he had maybe had super strength. But if you look at the video of the crime screen, you can see that that, that pan that my son had, it wasn't bent up or anything. So he did all this to sway the public to believe their narrative, but then also, if you listen to that same video when he released the, the tape, he said one of his officers' uniform was sliced, not a person stabbed. 
That's a big difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then if you actually watch the video all the way through, you'll see that the officer said, oh, feel like somebody hit me in my shoulder. He was never stabbed. Right. Have you ever seen any, any, any press release when an officer has been injured, shot, stabbed, that they won't release who that officer is? Right. This officer has yet to be released, but he's supposed to went there to the hospital stabbed. And then not only that, this is the shooting officer whose name still has not been released. And you know the protocols, because again, criminology, law enforcement. Uh, if that name is signed on top of that report, that's public knowledge. Yeah. Everything is has been sealed, 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 you know. And then, I don't know if y'all know, but even the Texas Ranger, after I started looking and finding the information on him, find out that he's been sued by the, the and held up by the Fifth Circuit Court. Not only that, but several cases have been pretty much tainted. But then mm. before I went to Washington, D.C., then I found out that he was forced into retirement. And that's what we're talking about. And, when and, when and, officers are trying to yeah. kind of possibly... So, so he, he was trying to do... Was he trying to do the he, right... I'm going to tell you, the press conference that Chief Dixon had mm -hmm. was a botched report of his report. Mm. So he was using the information that... that uh, Ranger Bowens had written in his report to try to portray my son as a criminal. So let's talk about and thank thank you for sharing this and giving us the insight because it's all the things that, like you said, the media is not going to share. Let's talk about the national attention that your case is finally getting, um, which is so awesome because so many cases don't. Um, it was really awesome um, when they did the event on TV and Alicia Keys was singing and she was standing near in Darius's name and that his name was written. Um, it was really a powerful moment um, to that see that. That was a God moment. That was. And, and, it, it, and just watching you and your organization, I want you to tell us a little bit more about that and how you have been to the White House and um, you have partnered with Lee Merritt um, who has kind of taken on the case and is getting the national attention that it deserves and you have committed yourself to justice. Like, tell us, talk to us about that, all of that. Well, one of the things is that there's a lot of protests going on, there's yeah. a lot of activity going on, but there's not a lot of voices. Yeah. You know, you used to have Martin Luther King, you had Malcolm X, you had... Uh, you know, John uh, just died. Yeah. You know, you had uh, you had all these voices yeah. behind or in front of a movement, but right now there's no movement. But one of the things that that I tell people, I didn't choose this. It chose you. It chose me, and God chose me. Believe me, as a man of God, I was angry. As a father, I was yes. just horrid. You know, and I cried out to God, and I was angry with God. Yeah, and yeah. I'm asking him, why, my son, why this? And he know what he said. He said, the week before, I could have took his life, mm -hmm. but I spared it. Mm -hmm. But he said, over 2,000 years ago, hmm. I, was a, I knew another father that had to sacrifice his son. Mm -hmm. So even after I talked to my son that Friday, that was the last time we talked, the last thing we said was that we love each other. And then he went to a church that he never had went to before. Mm -hmm. Went to two churches prior to that, and he, he didn't feel it. Then they went to a third church, and he told his mom that they had to go in there because he just felt, and they couldn't find seats. They went up into the balcony, and the preacher was preaching, you got to have your own testimony. Mm -hmm. 
And something about that message just drew him down. Because I had told him that Friday, I said, God had great plans for you. You got to give it all to God. Wow. Not knowing that Sunday, he totally went and surrendered and committed his life totally to Christ. That Sunday, he already knew who he was, but yes. he had not completely surrendered. But that Sunday, he surrendered. Yes. That last week of faith, yeah. And that Monday, he was back at school and three o'clock that morning, three o'clock in the morning, they murdered him. Yeah. That was an attack of the enemy oh, yes. on a child of God. Yes. That's why they will not get away with it. And I, I declare and I decree that it will, they will not get away with this. It will uncover other cases. It's going to uncover the things that they've been doing yeah. and they will be held accountable regardless of what we have to do. And, 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 and the, the ministry is much bigger and that's what DJT Justice Network is. Yes. It's, it's much bigger than just just that. And, and this is uh, some of the stuff. Most people, they just see the, the post, but it's, a, it's official. Yes. That's a lot of other things that's going on behind the scenes. Yes. And when the site and everything is completed, we're going to be a new national grassroots organization. I love it. And sure. the thing is, guess it. what? North Texas Coordinating Framework pursuing change at the intersection of policy and people. Amen. And the face of that, DJT Justice Network will be Darius Tarver. Thanks for listening to part two of this episode. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you stop right now and go back and listen to part one in your feed. If you're looking for more information on what we discussed, take a look at the show notes or go to blackhistoryforwhitepeople.com. If you'd like to play a supportive role in the podcast and be able to vote for future topics and listen to full interviews, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash blackhistoryforwhitepeople. On our next episode, we will be discussing the Green Book. We'll leave you with this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.